Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of Free Fire. Here he is. thousand apologies. Hate it when people are tardy. It's good to meet you, boys. Thanks for coming out. You didn't masturbate before you got here, did you? You what? <laughs> I told you I don't want to work with anybody who's carrying a loaded weapon. Fuck the small talk. Let's buy some guns, eh? You're on a different level now. The guy who represents this merchandise, his lawn is bigger than your whole fucking country. Justine, as gorgeous as ever. Well, you've uh, put on a bit of weight. Fuck off. Check out the merch. That's not what he ordered. Fuck, really? He ordered M16s, different weapon. I'm not running a fucking pizza delivery service. Keep your shit together. You want the weapons or you don't want the weapons? Oh, I'm already calling the fuck down! Here we go. <laughs> oh, now we're cooking! We'd like to leave with our money. Uh-huh. And I'm sure that you boys would like to leave with the weapons. <laughs> Go for the case. What? You a bird, then I'm gonna shoot the bird. Ah! Shit, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, you little asshole. Ah. Ah. <laughs> Here we go. Alright, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Free Fire, and the story is as follows. Justine brokers a meeting in a deserted warehouse between two Irishmen and a gang led by Vernon and Ord, who intend to sell them a stash of guns. But when shots fire during the handover, complete pandemonium ensues, with everyone at the scene suddenly thrust into a heart-stopping game of survival. It is starring, limping, crawling, more limping, and more crawling. Oh, and also Brie Larson, Charlotte Copley, Army Hammer, Killian Murphy, Jack Raynor, Babu Cissé, Enzo Kilente, Sam Riley, Michael Smiley, and Noah Taylor. It is directed and written by Ben Wheatley and co-written by Amy Jump. Joining me for this review, I have Kristen Lopez. Hello, everybody. And my uh, my like honest trailer starring uh, ripoff there. I think might have gone over some people's heads. Um, But suffice to say, there is a lot, I mean a lot, of limping and crawling in this movie. (laughs) Like, so much so that, like, Leonardo and uh, DiCaprio and The Revenant all of a sudden doesn't seem like such a bad gig all of a sudden after seeing what these actors had to put themselves through in this movie, it looked like. Um, What did you think of it overall, though? Um, You know, this was being hyped since it played uh, the festival circuit up until about March. So this was being hyped as, like, a uh, gritty Edgar Wright-esque um, Reservoir Dog-style bloodbath. All of my favorite things, essentially. And it has Army Hammer in it. So And Brie Larson. So it's literally got, like, two of my favorite people and all my favorite things. 
and yet I was underwhelmed a little bit. Um, I want to see it again because I, I think the accents initially, especially from some of the, um, the European cast, kind of went over my head. Um, it takes a little bit to get the cadence and the way characters talk and, and interact with each other. Um, but that's usually just a Ben Wheatley thing. Um, it took me about two times before I realized, like, oh, High Rise is okay. Um, so I, I think hype might have dampened this a little bit. I had fun once the plot got going. Um, because once it becomes this, like, horrible Amazon return deal, um, it becomes really fun and bloody um, and just kind of watching things devolve from there. But you really have to be prepared for the fact that there is quite virtually no character development. Um, what's there is heavily inferred, if not just kind of created in the audience's mind. Um, the acting's good. I thought it was it was good, but I the way people were talking about it, I expected it to be kind of this laugh riot, rollicking, um, kind of insane, bloody mess. Um, and it, it aims for that, but I don't think it connects. I agree with you. I was a little let down myself by it. Um, and it too does have a lot of things that I tend to like. Um, a stripped down plot that knows uh, exactly what it is and what kind of an audience it's catering itself towards. Um, dark, you know, noir, crime, uh, action film, lots of, you know, blood and gore, colorful language, eccentric characters, something that it feels like Quentin Tarantino maybe wrote in college. But that's like the thing here is that it feels like it's ripping off other movies and it's it, it feels like somebody gave a kid in college a, a, a good budget and all these actors to play with. I just don't feel like this is like a movie that is worthy of Ben Wheatley's talents, if that makes sense. It's like I, I say to myself, what is he doing? Like, why is he making this other than probably to have fun working with these actors? There's nothing really to say about it um, in terms of its overall plot, its themes. It It is supposed to be fun, but I don't think that Wheatley keeps the momentum going enough to sustain that level of fun. Uh, it has its moments for sure, though. Um, there were a couple of one-liners that definitely had me laughing at times and there was a lot of really good dry humor but i think my favorite part of the movie is before the guns actually go off and the tension that builds in the room um as more and more characters get introduced before the guns start blazing i think that's my favorite part of the movie yeah i i liked individual moments i liked individual characters for me, the movie really gets going once everybody's kind of winged. Um, mm -hmm. But I would have enjoyed some more proper exposition because the movie literally starts kind of in, in Medias Rays with, with two characters driving this car and then they're immediately at this meeting location. There's no kind of expository dialogue. You're dumped in 
the thick of things and you know about as much as the characters know about each other but never how the characters know each other or anything like that i would have liked just a bare modicum of story you know i was i was reading interviews about the the movie and, and they were asking characters they were asking army hammer about his character and he was kind of talking about stuff that he had just kind of made up about his character. And I was like, okay, see, that would have been interesting to see perpetuated in some way because essentially what's on the page is how things are. And the actors are kind of forced to create this backstory. And I think the audience is going to have... And I think that's why it took me a while to get into it because you're really having to grasp at straws and and that works in something like a horror movie where you want to root for the characters because you have good and evil and you kind of clearly know who you should be rooting for or or not um in an action movie you kind of need some memorability to keep things going and really the only characters that i thought i could grasp onto were the were the actors i knew (laughs) so when characters die certain characters it's just kind of like i mean two or three of the characters die in this movie and i was like oh i don't know their name i don't really remember much about them um so and that's not exactly something you want in an action movie (laughs) yeah they definitely save like more of the heavy deaths uh towards the end and even so we don't really know much about these characters um just to put in perspective here uh, my notes are as follows army hammer common cool killian murphy Irish, Jack Raynor has beef with Steve, <laughs> Vern, eccentric boss, Frank, the older one, and Justine, the chick at the deal. <laughs> like, there's there's not much there. It's it's really unbelievable to me. Um, but I guess everybody just wanted to work with Ben Wheatley, you know, and he probably just proposed that this would be like a fun, you know, sh- little shoot. But man, I'm just watching Killian Murphy crawl on the ground and getting dirt in his mouth and, you know, sweating and struggling. And I'm just saying to myself, man, it doesn't look like anybody was having fun making this movie. I I could be wrong, but... I want to ask, I mean, what's your past experience with Ben Wheatley as a director? Because I think that really determines things. Um, Honestly, high rise. I was going to say High Rise as well. And High Rise is of a similar caliber as this movie. Not to use a gun pun. I I tried Uh, not to. (laughs) Um, High Rise, I think it's better if you watch it more than once. um, Because then you can really get the, um, the the allegory that he's going for. Which is not a deep allegory, but it's an allegory nonetheless. Um, But even in High Rise... You're still dealing with finite characters with very little backstory to them, but there is a plot. You're ascend- and Wheatley is one of those directors that really, and you could probably say this with all of his other movies, I've heard A Field in England is very similar, that he enjoys watching thing- society, civilization, civility devolve into chaos. And in something like High Rise, that makes sense because it's a very controlled environment. There is a set definition of rules, and you understand character motivations. Here, there's no set set of rules, but you know the character's motivations, which is to either get the guns or get the money. 
Well, it, there's like a there's a code, like a professionalism, so to speak, yeah. in like the beginning. And that, to your point, like I think that's why um, that part of it was my favorite because you could ke- you could tell that all these characters are very eccentric and very very unique um, in terms of their personalities. But you put them all in a room together, and it's just like a combustible element waiting to explode. And I found all of that to be great. Like every time, like guys were pushing each other back, and they're like, "Everybody, calm down. Everybody, just calm. You know, be cool." It was like, "Oh man, I can't wait for this to explode." And I guess that anticipation I, I found to be the most fun. When the action actually gets going, uh, there were individual moments that stood out. You know, um, there's a moment where Vern Charlton Copley's character, who, by the way, is hysterical in this. Um, I thought he was so funny. Um, that line where he's uh, covering himself up and he's like, prediction from infection. I was dying laughing. I thought it was so funny. Um, he's got a scene where he's like chasing Frank. I say chase, crawling after him. There's so much crawling in this movie. And, you know, and then there's an explosion at one point, uh, random snipers, uh, people inexplicably getting shot in the leg to create more crawling. And... Through it all, all I wanted was I wanted an ending that is kind of telegraphed in this movie uh, between Killian Murphy and uh, Brie Larson's character. And, you know, they talk about it this through dialogue, and all I want is this ending. It's all I want. Um, and I don't even get that at the end. And I guess what I'm supposed to get at the end is more satisfying, but... It just felt like Reservoir Dogs to me uh, at at the end as the credits rolled. And I left the theater feeling very uh, disappointed. You know, and I wonder how much of that is is gendered because I I loved Brie Larson in this movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. She's awesome. But I love the character because... Her what and, character? But okay, so I'm gonna argue this. Um, I actually wrote an article about this for for a, a website, so I've been knee deep in in arguing this for the last like 48 hours. Um, again, much of the characterization, what little there is, is predominantly inferred by the audience. So I'm mm-hmm. going to preface this with I could be speaking completely out my ass, but you know that's why we do what we do. Um, we yep. read into movies. So Brie Larson's character, I I thought was very intriguing because she's obviously been around at least um, Army Hammer's character Ord and Vernon several times, and you get yes. that through little dialogue scenes, um, which the you know the fact that Vernon only refers to her exclusively as Bird or Doll, he he hardly ever uses her name, so it's almost like they're commenting about the light like sexism of the the 70s this is set in the 70s so that's important to remember um she plays on that a lot throughout the movie you know um reminding him like when he gets all indignant about how nice of a person he is she's like yes you would you would never hurt me you know i totally know you you know and she's plays on that a lot throughout the movie um, and, and for me, I argued that it's very much like Wheatley and, and Amy Jump, who co-wrote the script, are trying to harken back to those kind of sexless women of, of the second wave feminism era of the 70s, uh, of movies from the 70s, like Fade Down Away and Network, or um, Jane Fonda and the China Syndrome, commenting on kind of like the light male chauvinism of the time period, like 
Chris is a great guy, Killian Murphy. He's a very nice guy, but he still doesn't stop himself from saying, like, maybe we should go out. <laughs> you know, uh, th that nice-spirited type of, like, s vaguely, like, parallel sexual harassment um, that's still not cool, but it's, it's you know, brought up anyway. Um, so at the end, when things kind of happen, you find out Justine's motivations. I thought, even though it was very easy to suss out about the midway point, I thought that was great. That, you know what, out of she's essentially placed on the same footing as a man throughout this entire movie. You know, Charteau Copley says, nobody's going to shoot the bird. She gets shot, which is great. Um, yeah. You know, they all agree, we'll let her go because we're men. We're nice guys. Women and children first mentality. Um, they, they allow her to go free. But why? Because she's a lady. Um, and she uses that essentially to, like, fuck all them over. Um, which I thought was very fun. So, again, I could be inferring all of that, but I thought that it worked for me. It was the one thing that really did work for me. Uh, I mean, obviously, but, but, the, but the problem is it's all undone by the final seconds of the movie. Um, it's very much hearkening back to kind of that noir mentality where, you know, she's still a woman at the end of the day. And she's got to pay the piper. You know, that that was the one thing where I was like, okay, it's, um, the I wrote in my review, the ending is essentially like if anybody's seen the Stanley Kubrick film, The, the Killing, um, mm -hmm. where, you know, Sterling Hayden is the one who actually has all the money and essentially it gets loose and it's just wafting in the breeze. Um, it's just kind of like this, like, oh shit ending, um, where there are no winners. <laughs> Um, and, and that, that worked for me. I didn't expect a happy ending for any of the characters, and that's what I got. Yeah. Uh, who gives the best performance in the movie, in your oh, opinion? Oh, gosh. Um, Charteau Copley's just playing Charteau Copley at this point. Which um, is so much fun, though, which I is must fun, add. Which is fun, which is fun, um, but it's just kind of him at this point. Um, so, I, I really liked Brie Larson. Obviously, I wrote, you know, over a thousand words on her character. So, I really liked her character. Killian Murphy, I thought, was good. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna say something a little out, out of left field. And I'm going to say Sam Riley, I thought. I gave. hated him. I, oh, yeah. No, absolutely. But as far as I, I, just performance yeah. goes, there were a lot, a lot of aspects to that character. A lot. And I thought he had a lot to do. So I, I I was very, very caught off guard by how his character was portrayed, um, where his character went, and what ultimately, like what range of emotions he had to go through. And some of it was a little maniacal at times. You know, one moment he's like extremely sad and in grief. Another moment he's full of rage and anger. Another moment he's, you know cracking jokes and it, it it's kind of all over the place but on the whole though i was um pretty impressed um where everybody else i thought was kind of like doing their thing like charlotte copley like army hammer um even killian murphy to a certain degree um i i thought that uh riley was the one who 
I, I couldn't like pigeonhole him as being like, oh, well, that's just Sam Riley being Sam Riley. I was gonna say, yeah, it's just Mr. Darcy from Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. No, um. totally not. <laughs> but even Jack Raynor, I was like, oh, the the brother from uh, Sing Street is uh, just you know in a shootout right now, pretty much. <laughs> um, no, but but Sam Riley, I I like how other characters react to his character in the movie. Um, which again, t- to talk about feminism in the film, the entire powder keg deals with sexual assaults, which I thought yeah. was very interesting. Um, again, men defending a- an off-screen woman's honor. Um, but I, it's just funny to hear the men's indignation at like how horrible he is. Like there's a code of ethics uh, for all of them. And you know, they yeah. draw the line at being like rapers, um, which I thought was very funny. Um, yeah, and, Michael Smiley like beats the shit out of him. And what was he supposed to be like, his uncle or something so, br- like that? Uh, br- I, what was it, like brother-in-law, father-in-law or something? Something like they were family. And yeah. I, I didn't really get that connection. But like even he's like, yo, you idiot. He just like beats the crap out of him. Um, ultimately, my biggest gripe of all um, in terms of this whole movie is – Ben Wheatley, in my opinion, does not do a good job uh, geographically of showing where each character is in relation to another as far as a wide shot or an overhead shot just so that we could um, get that that space, that feeling of, okay, well, this character is over here behind this and this character is across from them over here. Instead, we get a lot of edits and a lot of uh, close-ups, medium shots, but we never get that one large shot or, or swooping camera move or anything like that to convey that sense of space. And for me, that kind of made, I think that's what killed the momentum factor. Um, that and also to a lack of music. I, I noticed after a while, like the first 15 minutes of the shootout, there's not a single um, note of music. It's really all just sound. Except for bringing um, John Denver back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then music kind of comes later on. I, I agree. But I just felt the overall momentum and sense of pacing in that whole shootout, which is the centerpiece of the movie, um, I didn't feel like it could hold a candle to something else like um, what's another like shootout that's like really long, uh, like Lone Survivor. I was gonna say Heat. I was gonna pick a better movie. <laughs> well, Heat is a better movie, but that shootout is like a couple of minutes. Lone Survivor, it's like a huge chunk of the movie. Like this is for this. You know what in, I mean? In terms of geography, yeah, the, this and High Rise again. Ben Wheatley really likes to work in confined spaces. Um, which I, I guess says a lot about, you know, his views on like society and how, again, people interact in, in closed encounters. Um, which it's funny that you brought up that, that you were irked by the, the lack of making sure where characters were, because again, reading interviews, they storyboarded this to within an inch of its life, (laughs) um, in terms of making sure that they knew where characters were, um, to the point where Ben Wheatley would just have everybody stick around so that they could essentially change camera angles at will. Um, But no, I I get that, especially once characters start venturing away from the main floor that they're all shooting and start going up into offices. There's a death that happens in an office that I was very confused how the person who was doing the shooting got there and I'm trying to say that without spoiling who it is. Um, 
you know, for, for characters that are kind of, like, gimping along the entire movie, either the room there, the, the warehouse is very small, or they're a lot more mobile than they, they're letting on. Um, for me, I was more, I, again, there's a, a section where Brie Larson is kind of, like, trapped in this anteroom or something. Um, yeah, with Noah Taylor, of all people. Yeah, um, and after their confrontation, her character pops up again, and I kept saying, well, wait, I don't know where she went all this time. What's right. been going on there? Um, the problem is is that if you're, you're following these characters, it's like essentially a big game of paintball. Um, you kind of, and the, the movie never cuts to what those characters are doing throughout this time. It's almost like you need a little map, like a Marauder's map to throw a Harry Potter reference in here, with like little dots of where everybody is moving, like a Legends of the Hidden Temple type of map in the corner so that you know where everybody is. I like the sound of that. That, that, <laughs> that I think would have actually helped a great deal here. Um, all right, let's hand it off to final thoughts. Great out of 10, Oscar potential. What do you have for me? Um, I did I did not get to, I, I will say, I did I did enjoy Army Hammer. What little there is, considering he's like third build, he's barely in this movie, it feels like. Um, but what he is in is very funny, I thought. Um, yeah. Because he played, when we were talking about testing your limits uh, in Velocity Z, Army Hammer's essentially playing, like, a politician slash asshole. Um, and it works to great effect. I was into it. Um, and he has the best last line of a movie. Um, so I thought he was very pleasant. Um, but overall, I was a little let down by this. Um, again, hype is a killer. And this was very heavily hyped. Um, I, I, I can see the influences... Ben Wheatley is one of those who wears his influences on his sleeve. Um, and I applaud the effort, especially considering how heavily prepared this had to be to shoot. Um, but there's no story. There's no characters. Um, and again, somebody could say that that's the point of the movie. And if you enjoy that, go with God. Um, that's great. Um, for me... I wanted just a little bit more, not a lot. You know, this didn't need to be a two hour opus. 90 minutes works perfectly. I would have liked some integration of exposition in dialogue. Um, you know, they didn't have to say like, oh, you and I, we know each other from way back when we did this thing, you know. But there are ways to integrate expository dialogue without making it feel like expository dialogue. And I wish that they gone a little bit further. Um, but I really loved Brie Larson. I really loved Army Hammer. I really loved uh, individual moments. I loved that John Denver came back um, in, in a way. Uh, so I had fun with this, but I think I'm going to need to mull on it more. Um, and even then, I don't think it's ever going to be something I'm going to love. I do think I liked High Rise a bit more than I liked this. Um, just a little bit, though. Um, not a lot. Um, so Oscar potential, I don't see any. Maybe in editing, maybe. Um, but again, I don't see anything for it. Overall, I'm going to give it a seven. It's fun. It's short. Um, Ben Wheatley continues to have interesting premises. He's making a monster movie with Alicia Vikander and Army Hammer that I really want, like, now. Um, so I like where he's going. I just think he needs to push a little bit further. So for me, uh, this film is like the hardcore Henry of this year, where oh, really? you could watch you could watch it from one point of view and have a lot of fun with it, 
But if your critical eyes are on and you're watching this, I think that there are a lot of faults with it that holds it back from being something special, which, um, hey, listen, I'm glad that you got what you got out of it. Um, that's awesome. Uh, for me, I was underwhelmed by it overall, even though there are individual moments that I found to be fun. I think the actors are all having a blast. You, you could tell and nobody's actually like bad in this or anything like that. Nobody gives like an embarrassing performance or anything. Um, so it's a mixed bag ultimately for me. And uh, that stinks because I'm, I'm a fan of those Quentin Tarantino, Guy Ritchie, you know, tough guy, um, just gun shooting action films like this. But it's 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 Finn. Uh, mercifully, it's less than 90 minutes long, so it's kind of like over in the drop of the hat. At the end of the day, I see no Oscar potential, and I rate this a 5 out of 10. Alrighty. So, Kristen, where can I find you on the internet? I am always on Twitter at journeys underscore film. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much for listening to our review of Free Fire here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can listen and subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, and Player FM. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Oh, and one last note. This is like some of the worst uh, shooting I've seen in a movie since the Stormtroopers in Star Wars. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Thank you everyone so much for listening and we will see you all next time. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.